Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 660. And I know a lot of you longtime Beyond Fistner, listeners, listeners, have been asked. That's how I combine video and listener. It's it's my great new portmanteau. Uh, I know a lot of you have been asking, when are we going to get another episode like the ham episode? Well, good news. My dog is chewing treats right into the microphone. So chances are you'll hear some crunching all episode long. That's not uh, the same. We, we it's all exactly need, we the all need same. Crunch. We all need our own personal crunchers. Get a, a nutrient bar. I don't know these days what we eat <laughs> I anymore. I want honey baked ham. <laughs> I want ham. <laughs> Mail everyone uh, ham. Mail to our private homes ham. Uh, I'm joined this week by Brian Altano. Hello. Max Stoville. <laughs> Hamming it up. And Lucy O'Brien. Please don't mail me ham. <laughs> <laughs> I... I realized before we re- started recording, I said this to Lucy. I feel like we have all not been together for a show in like years. It's only been a month, but that's a long. It, that's a long time. It's a long it's time, but long. I feel. I feel like it's been just half the year has gone by, uh, just because of how much has happened, and yet nothing has happened at the same time. Because uh, we're still, we don't know when the PS5 is going to launch. We still don't yep. know that. We still don't know the price. It happens every episode. Uh, before we do get into PlayStation information, because of course this is IGN's weekly PlayStation show, uh, I did want to ask you all, I've been having a little bit of a crisis of faith over the last few weeks because, you know, I've been waiting to play Bloodborne and I've been really excited to get back to playing Bloodborne when we all play Bloodborne together. But part of the essence of me playing Bloodborne, I think, is that I haven't really played many Soulsborne games. So would it be cheating if I played another Soulsborne game before we got back to playing Bloodborne? No, go for no. it. Honestly, no. we all had plans this year, and they're all <laughs> shitters. So. <laughs> you can just tell you want, you know, like yeah. Well, I I think that you know the souls the the souls games are different, like the similar sort of difficulty, and they sort of test your will to live um in a in a in the same way, but they're different. Like Bloodborne's a lot a lot faster. I would probably like say that Dark Souls 3 was the closest to Bloodborne because you can really play as, as, as like much more light-footed than you can okay. in Dark Souls 2. Like when I went back to Blood, uh, Dark Souls 2 after Bloodborne, I was just like, this is too slow for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of bummed that like, I platinum that game and then like the next day uh, quarantine started because I, <laughs> I could use some of that dopamine right now. <laughs> <laughs> Are you looking forward to Mortal Shell? Yes, yes, absolutely. That's that, and that game's only like twenty hours long too, which I'm I'm super into. Well, um, good news on that one because I think it's getting announced the day the show is going live. So I think I can say this. If not, Ty, I'll tell you we can't because we have an embargo. But uh, Mortal Shell is coming out this month. What on on yes. August eighteenth? Yeah, oh, sweet. That's yes, awesome. I am, I am okay to say that by the time the show goes up. I never know with uh, hours sometimes how it works, but yeah. Um, yeah, so that'll be coming out if you need a Soulsborne fix later this month on Sweet. all platforms. Yeah, I do. So that works. Uh, and yeah, I, I was debating because I have the the trilogy, uh, like a copy from the office of the Dark Souls trilogy. So I was debating going back to one or just going to three because I know com- people compare three and uh, Bloodborne a lot. I'm like, I admire the fact that you want to play a Soulsborne game <laughs> during quarantine. Like for me, I just want, I don't know what I, I just want. I want to sort of better fish. You know what I mean? Like I like I, that's the, the sort of the level of difficulty I can kind of think of right now. Like sure. that's the only oh, like, a, like a cat toy. Like you like wanna... a cat. <laughs> you know, like, I, like, like, I thought you meant like, I was like yeah. I thought you said battered fish. Like yeah, like the yeah. food. I mean, yeah. I would like. I would also like some battered that's fish. True. But like no. That'd but in great. terms of like 
I'm so like my sort of step, like my my what I can withstand when it comes to like hard heads and always. Like I just like if anything makes me remotely tired right now, like I just stop. I stop watching it. I stop playing it. Like I can only have things that are easy or really thrilling. So I'm watching a lot of horror movies, and like I'm playing a lot of Mario Kart. <laughs> It's a good combo. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm watching like a ton of horror movies, but I'm also watching a, a, a. I'm trying to basically go through and fill all the blanks of any movie that like I wanted to watch forever and then just didn't, and just go through the whole list. Um, and a lot of them are like you know like really slow burns, and yeah. I I got the time for it, so <laughs> bring it on. You know, like I, there's nothing else going on. I finished, you know, I finished The Last of Us. I finished Ghost of Tsushima. Um, Playing a couple games, I, I finished carrying. You know, I'm playing a couple games here and there, but like, I yeah, I got I got nothing but time, man. Like, <laughs> it's not I need, a lot I going need, on. Like, a good a good place to explore. Like, I was actually I was tempted to buy uh, Dark Souls three just to be like, I'll go get kicked in a new universe for a change. <laughs> but it's it's like still sixty bucks, and I was like kind of hoping it would be, you know, oh, a little cheaper by now. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely with you. Like, I'm I'm playing Yakuza three right now, which is one of the eight Yakuza games set in that same neighborhood, which I've been to a fair amount. So it's like, it's fun, but it's also like, I kind of want to open some new doors and go down some weird new passageways. And I don't know. I've definitely kind of cleared out enough of the Tsushima map that I'm like, yeah, I kind of saw what's here. I can, I can go and I could go someplace new now, you know? Yeah. It's, it's nice knowing that there are like a ton of big games coming out. Like it's definitely daunting on a work level to know that there's within, I think like a three week span, three 100 plus hour rpgs all releasing at once but other than that it's like oh i'm gonna get to go fly in a, a tie fighter this fall and also go to uh ancient norse times and also a cyberpunk city and like all these great big adventures and go back to new york and spider-man so it's like there is a lot of big stuff to look forward to but we are in that sort of weird summer doldrum uh and even though we are still waiting for ps5 actual confirmation of when we're going to get to play the damn thing uh we have heard rumors that there will be an event later in august that's again (sighs) confirmed those rumors obviously my dog is upset at those rumors uh they pop up every week so at this point we'll see like at this point i just wait until something happens on the blog post roughly an hour after we record this show and that's how I've I got I've got to the like paranoid period where I'm convinced that something's going to happen and I'm going to die before I find out how much the PlayStation <laughs> Five costs. Like that's something's just going to happen. I mean. will be dead, and like you, and you guys will be like, "Oh, that's such a bummer. She's dead. She never found out." That's. I mean, that's like. <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty fair, you know, like risk this year. There's a lot of things that could kill you. So. Yeah, what's wrong with you guys? Oh, I was yeah, sorry. I'm just trying to be excited about it. my friends, I have the Dark Souls of conversation. <laughs> just looking for some lighthearted explorational stuff, boys. You know, just trying to hang out. Well, we'll get we'll get into the lighthearted stuff because there is a, a free lighthearted game right now on PlayStation Plus that we can talk about a little bit later. Uh, but I do want to, of course, mention. Die. Yeah, that's true. At least you die before you can play it. Before the end of this episode, one of us, no, I can't even Good make that God. joke because it, it could ha- it's the dumb sitcom trope. Uh, but anyway, I do want to mention, of course, there is going to be a state of play later this week, but uh, we're recording this episode That's before that. We will, <laughs> we will be, of course, uh, covering, we are planning to do uh, a show after the state of play to cover everything happening. But of course, PlayStation confirmed there won't be new PS5 
uh, release or hardware announcements. There won't be first party game announcements. Um, I'm like, glad they would you go and have something like that at right this now. point in the year. Why would I know? Right. I like I, I'm glad they said expectations, but nonetheless, they need to give us the things we're expecting at this point because it's I am like, I am like, I'm glad they said expectations as well. But I'm at the point where I feel like a child that wants to throw my toys out of the crib at this. Like, I'm just like, give us something please 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 like this is ridiculous like how long are we gonna have to wait i mean it's meant to be coming out really soon it is it's it's so funny to me that sony microsoft and nintendo all have these like you know microcosmic little fart versions of e3 like twice a month now and they have to explicitly go out every single time and be like zelda won't be there mario's not gonna be there there you're gonna get a little bosack boy planet you're gonna get a card <laughs> racer we're showing a ps3 picture and shut the f- Bakugan is coming to everything, and that's all you need. We're having a party. There's no cake. There's going to be no pin the tail of the donkey, no prizes. There's bowling in the yard. That's all. Like, it just sucks. Like, because we hear anything and we're like, yay, they're going to show it. And they're like, nope, nope, we're not doing anything. I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. It's um, if you don't, we go crazy, we go insane. Well, and so they're the, like the thing about the state of play is one, they've said it's 45 minutes ish long. It's 40 plus minutes, which is roughly, I think, the longest state of play uh, that we've had. That wasn't like, of course, the PS5 uh, reveal event, which wasn't called a state of play because reasons, I guess. Um, but that's probably the longest. There won't be new first party games seemingly announced. There won't be a ton of PS5 hardware updates. They are going to show some PS5 games again from the event that happened uh, back in June. They said there'll be some updates and stuff. So maybe we'll get a couple PS5, you know, third-party announcements. But otherwise, we're looking at third-party PS4 games. And I'm excited for Cyberpunk. I'm excited for Assassin's Creed. I'm excited for Crash, all these games. But I feel like we're seeing them a lot already and in their own places. And Ubisoft has an event. There's the Night City Wire. There's, uh, you know, 10 other drops that happen every month now. And I don't know if the state of play is going to be that exciting if it is just all this known stuff. Yeah, I'm, I was trying to pull up the actual official wording for it. What to expect? A focus on upcoming PS4 and PSVR games. A few quick check-ins on third-party and indie games from June's PS5 showcase. No big PS5 announcements. <laughs> they straight up just say that. Kill my skin off. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And what's funny about that is if there is a PS5 exclusive, uh, not exclusive, announcement, does that mean it's not big? And then is that yeah, a weird It's going to be like a dig? shit little one about like a cord or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you joke, but there was a legitimately like story like that today where uh, they finally showed officially the back of the PS5 DualSense controller and there's no back buttons. If, like, honestly, not- if... No, there's not. It's just a like smooth back of the controller. Oh, so it's just like this. It's just the same, the same buttons, but the one one has a different name and that's yeah. in a different shape. That's it. And it'll shake differently, as far as we know right now. Yeah, it'll shake differently. Oh, yeah. good. I'll just head on down to my local Best Buy and put my <laughs> hands right on this demo. Oh, wait, we don't have things like that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the, I mean, yeah, the hands-on nature of it aside, they also confirmed this week that we're just going right into the the jumble of PS5-ish news that happened. There's, um, you won't be able to use DualShock 4s with PS5 games, but you will be able to use it 
with backward compatible PS4 games. Uh, and you will be able to use move controllers for PSVR compatible games. So move controllers live on for another generation, three generations strong now. Um, I like I, I get it because it applies to the their ethos of we're moving generations. There's a reason we want you to invest in these new things. But it is a bit of a slap in the face when you see the uh, the Xbox account put out. By the way, here's all of the controllers you can still use on your Series X when you buy one this year. And it's like the current Xbox controllers, the adaptive controllers, third party controllers, uh, the elite controllers, like all of it can still be used going forward. Um, and controllers are not cheap. They are not a cheap add on to have to buy. Yeah, I'm I mean I'm I'm really torn on this one. Um I to be to be frank, like I have been a little disappointed so far with some of the messaging around next gen because it doesn't really feel like the the leap it should and a big part of that leap is is going to be hardware, hopefully. I I get really excited about like having an unboxing a new controller on day 1 of a new console for the first time. Um and it having a bunch of features in it that you know you couldn't really get anywhere else. Um, I was excited about HD Rumble and the Joy-Con. I was you know and being able to split those off. I was excited about the you know the, some of the even like the the touchpad stuff on the DualShock Four at first. Um, just all it, all throughout sort of like history, there's always been like here's a new system, here's the new controller. Backwards compatibility is obviously a much bigger thing this time around, and I think that that bridge should still work forever. Like, I think as long as you can play PS4 games on your PS5, your DualShock 4 should be able to work. But I'm kind of okay with developers developing brand new games for brand new controllers for new systems. I know that's not Xbox's strategy right now, but I also think that that, while being more consumer-friendly, is sort of moving themselves into a territory where they're repeatedly telling their audience that you don't necessarily need to buy this system. Um, nor is it doesn't really seem like that's an emphasis for them. Obviously they want to sell consoles, but they're, they're more about like getting people embedded into the game pass ecosystem and all that. Um, yeah, I don't I, think, I, yeah, Sorry, no, I was just gonna say, and I, I feel like PlayStation is trying to be like, this generation is done this new one begins and this is what we're doing going forward. Definitely. It's so indicative of the different, uh, like, strategies from both companies because you know xbox always said like this is should be the last controller that you need which is great and i and i want to listen to that and believe them and you know they've been good to their word especially as you know their whole focus is a, is a family of consoles where it, whereas playstation is very much like this is the upgrade this is a new experience so like i i i want the new experience i want the the new haptic feedback and what have you that the dual sense will allow that the you know the previous controller didn't like i want that new experience it's it is a bummer it is a bummer but i get it and i'm on board for that new experience more than i'm yeah. on board for like yeah. an upgrade you know i've been i've been on the show for how long now complaining about having to use move controllers on psvr <laughs> so it would be wildly hypocritical of me to to for them you know for, for me to not celebrate them moving forward in a new generation to me like there's for them to not do this it would it would be basically stating that controller technology peaked 7 years ago and yeah. i fundamentally don't believe that like i feel like there there are constant tweaks and evolutions that need to be happening underneath the hood um in in terms of you know ergonomics haptic feedback everything uh sound everything like there's so many little things that can be improved upon constantly 
Yeah. And I'm I'm happy to see that process continue, you know, even if it does mean that some things have to get left behind in the old generation. Yeah, and they and I, I, like also like I just want to add and I know that this is, you know, this is a PlayStation show. I am a PlayStation person, but I've always preferred the Xbox controller. So get out. And, like I know, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. If I use the PlayStation controller for too long, I get hand cramps. It's not comfortable. Um, but I really like the design of the DualSense, and I really like that, that Sony's continuing <laughs> to try and improve on the controller because it's not perfect as it stands. I don't let Ryan McCaffrey in here. Yeah, um, right? I, get out of here, Xbox. This is for ponies. <laughs> Sony um, ponies only. You're either a bot or a pony. That's the only choice. Um, I love yeah. both of those things. Robots and horses are great. It's a great combo. Robot horses. Wonderful. Um, yeah, it is that thing of, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's that thing of, especially with the DualSense, they are saying, like, this is a really big jump that we're making with the technology. And to then just say, everything works with the DualShock would be like, well, okay, actually the work we're doing doesn't really matter. And that would be very mixed messaging to have to send. It, it is that struggle that I have with like, I, I agree and I see and I am excited to have these new experiences, but I also understand the audience that does want to say, well, hey, I don't want to spend as much money. I, don't, I can't afford a new console right now. Holy, I may go buy the Xbox Series S to be able to play some of these next-gen games and that'll be enough for me right now and I don't have to buy new controllers or I'll play via Game Pass. I like. I don't think we've all been together since that Xbox event happened, but um, the thing I kept thinking was, I thought that was a great show to get you to buy Game Pass. It gave me no reason to want to buy a Series X specifically. Um, yeah, it didn't do so, a great job at showing off the new generation. You know, it's, it's a bummer because, like, that's Xbox's selling point, right? Like, we're yeah. the most powerful console. Uh, and when that's your big number one selling point, you want to see that like dripping down the screen. And I just did not get that vibe. It was still a yeah. good show. There were some cool games, but there was nothing that really screamed next gen to me. Yeah, I think it's tough there because, I mean, it's a combination of things. I, I think with the Halo thing, it was, um, I think that they're going with an art style. Uh, and I don't think that art style is truly defined where they want it to be yet. Uh, and also, you know, you're watching demos on, on you know, on Wi-Fi on your phone or on, on your laptop or something like that. Um, going back and watching like the 4K version of that, I was a, a little more impressed. But yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. I think that like, I mean, it's obviously it's two different philosophies, and I don't think that one is necessarily correct. I would say that if Sony said that you couldn't play PS4 games on a PS5 unless you bought a PS5 controller for them, then that would be pretty anti-consumer. But I think that yeah. like developing a bunch of, of games for uh, the PS5 controller specifically um, is, just, is a justified belief. That said, if they paywall all that and no one develops any features for any of the new things that go with the, the DualShock 5, then we all just got hoodwinked, right? <laughs> like, yeah. if they were like, here's all these cool new things they can do, and we're like, are you taking advantage of that? And developers are like, we're tired, we're working from home, and we're porting our game to six different platforms, so no. Um, then I feel like we all just got robbed, right? I wonder if we'll see, like, a like a DualSense light at some point, like, assuming the haptic stuff isn't what it is, you know chalked up to be like we we got you know we got third party um ps5 controllers that i guess they they didn't really have the touchpad on there like they'd have buttons is did i dream that or is that i guess no, i haven't I really believe so i'll take a yeah. no you're you're right yeah. but like yeah i mean the fact is if if the if the haptic stuff is what's causing it to be expensive and that's a thing that's totally proprietary and a thing that doesn't necessarily fully impact the the games the way people are making them like presumably if a game is coming out for 
for Xbox Series X as well that doesn't have crazy haptic stuff, then like, you know, it's one it's it 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 is a little gimmicky. You know, like we haven't we I haven't experienced this thing firsthand anyway, so it's sort of a moot point. But like I could totally see them being like, hey, uh, we we put out here's the here's the 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 dual sense 2.0 here's like the here's the simplified version of this thing that doesn't have whatever bells and whistles are inside it that are making it a you know necessary proprietary piece of hardware for a ps5 game yeah i mean that makes so much sense to me it's like the 2ds right because like no one was bothering with the 3d after a while so they just released the 2ds yep yep i mean it's even uh most of the third-party controllers on switch don't have uh, HD Rumble. A lot of them don't even have, or didn't even have Bluetooth. Like there was, there's basically the first two and a half years of uh, mock Pro controllers that were shipped around that system by third parties uh, had to be hardwired, with like rare exception. And so, um, it's fine for most people. You know, like I think honestly, it's not really a big deal. Like if there are specific features, I think I think that it's going to be sort of like the Vita and uh, and and pretty much any other Sony product where first party stuff will really take advantage of it um and that'll be interesting like i think if 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 they ship miles Media morales molecule will definitely yes. take advantage yes. of it yeah yes yeah if, if they ship miles morales and it doesn't have any sort of bells and whistles in tune with the new features of the dualshock 5 then i'll kind of feel a little you know miffed that we got kind of hoodwinked here but i i, I think I think you're right. I think the first round will definitely take advantage like we saw with the Vita. Like everything will probably have a bit of even, you know, if it's not official, a somewhat like unspoken mandate that, hey, you should probably be trying to use this stuff since it is brand new. And even if it's very simple, we'll probably see it in every launch game to some extent. Like even um, Ratchet & Clank, I don't think is going to be a launch game, but Insomniac was even talking about how they're going to use the DualSense stuff for their uh, weapons afterward because it just makes so much sense. Uh, So I do think we'll see DualSense... Uh, feature support for a while, but yeah, you're totally right. It depends on if there is continued sustained support, and if there isn't, then something like Max was suggesting, like a DualSense Lite, totally makes sense and will probably be cheaper and more cost-effective for people to buy in the long run. I, uh, like, I love gimmicks. I love like stupid bells and yeah. whistles, because they're, at the end of the day, like these are glorified toys, and there's like something very simple to be like, oh, it buzzed funny, I'm, in, I'm amused by that. But if they were like, hey, this thing has six times the battery life, I'd be like, yeah, I'll pay more for that, I don't care. That's... <laughs> Like yeah, did they great. they said what it has three hours more battery life? I believe about yeah. Yeah. yeah, three Which to four more yeah. hours. Three hours more than eleven minutes. Yeah, it's about um, double the battery that's, life. That's about right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it, it's so crazy as we were saying, like wanting this wanting an August event to know these things is just because we are roughly, you would assume, three to four months out and we don't know. Um, I mean, granted, with the switch, we only learned about everything two months before. Uh, and when it comes to iPhones, they go on pre-order and then they're available a month later from when they're announced. So like we have seen more short turnarounds in tech recently, but I don't know if people buying, especially right now in this year, people wanting to buy uh, new expensive consoles want to be in the dark for this long. I, I think, you know, as we've all shown, we just want to know so we can make an informed good decision mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to buying this stuff. Um, uh, the PS4 price was announced at E3 the year it launched, and so we're already already way past that. Then yeah. again, I don't, you know, maybe it's still E3 today now. Oh, maybe it is. It might still yeah. be. I, <laughs> E3 exploded into pieces, so maybe we're still walking through the debris. I'm not sure. It's um, not yet Gamescom, so therefore I think it is still E3. Is how yeah. It 
Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, the, the, and then like what I hate about this sort of like staggering of all this stuff is that, uh, I, and like, I, I think Apple as a company is very frustrating in a lot of ways, but I think they're pretty good about being like, this is our new thing. It goes on sale within a few days and you can pre-order it instantly. This is, these are all the prices. They kind of give you a lot, generally give you a lot of information right at the start. I remember the, um, the switch, the switch light recently going by like most recent hardware launches, not to keep referencing Nintendo, but they're the most recent company to launch hardware. Um, they announced the colors for it. And I believe the price, but didn't put pre-orders up for a while. And I think there's this very specific, like strike while the iron's hot. And I tweeted out pictures of the switch light being like, Oh, this thing's really cool. Here's what it does. I don't need it, but I'm going to get it anyway. And it, it was one of those tweets that like blew up and reached circles outside of like my usual gaming sphere or whatever. And it's just a bunch of sort of like casual people who like video games, you know, here and there were like, how do I buy it? And I was like, you, you don't yet. Like, I don't have that information for you. And so I think there, there's like this, you know, um, strike while the iron's hot mentality that I think some companies miss out on. Then again, that was Nintendo, you know, going to the tune of its own drum or whatever. Like this is, this is the game of chicken between Xbox and and PlayStation, and I don't know. Are we the bicycles or like the highway? I'm not, like, it sucks. <laughs> like someone's got to give. This is very different than that E3 where these guys all announced what their their plans within an hour of each other, right? Yeah. yeah. No, normally we wait a weekend and we know when that weekend's going to be, and within that weekend we get all the information and then it's done. And I, I do think there has been something to be said. <laughs> Uh, as much as it's definitely created interesting production schedules for all of us of getting to have each game or each company really get their spotlight and get a day that they can own. But yeah, there is something to be said for having all of that information concentrated in one go and you know what to expect and know what to deal with. Um, and when you're talking about hundreds of dollars worth of things to buy, it is a, a answers you want as soon as you I know. And so I just, I want to get a wanna... new TV. Like I need yeah. to upgrade my TV. Like I, that's that's I, you know it's not just the the cost of the console itself, but I I need a, a whole brand new 4K thing because mm-hmm. I'm still using Max's old smart TV. You know, yeah, that's right. I don't even uh, like how old is that guy that I'm currently using? I don't know. I think wait, is that like the is that an LG? Yeah, I got that in 2011. I think. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, you can so. feel it. You can feel it, especially when I'm yeah. playing Ghost of Tsushima. You can feel it. Oh boy, yeah, that's a that's a PS3 territory you're talking about. Um, wow, yeah, your your TV's as old as the Move controllers are. Congratulations. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, hey, it's I do a wanna... great TV. It's a great TV. It's oh no, well. I'm sure. yeah. I just need to upgrade. It's still working. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially to take advantage of everything we assume these consoles will do. Um, hopefully, we'll have more information to come in the the next few weeks about PS5. Obviously, we'll be reporting on whatever happens in the state of play. Uh, but one big thing I do want to get to that sort of gets into the realm of um, finally getting information about certain things is uh, a big. PlayStation-related announcement that happened this week and definitely caused some stir, which was uh, we've known since the E3 2019 reveal that uh, Marvel's Avengers was going to have PlayStation-exclusive content um, with other games like Destiny. Normally, it's it's been uh, exclusive guns and strike missions and things like that. Uh, here, we found out that as of right now, all we know is Spider-Man is going to be completely exclusive to PlayStation players. So on PS4 and PS5, when Spider-Man comes to the game in 2021, he will be exclusive to download for free, as all the other characters will be, to PlayStation players. Uh, There's no indication if Xbox and PC players will get 
their own exclusive character. Uh, there's no timed uh, exclusivity discussion around this, though that may be a possibility we just don't know. Um, often with these types of deals, they don't want to say there's a timed exclusivity because they want you to go buy it on PlayStation. Um, and then we got a little more information today that basically all um, downloadable like cosmetic content and packs that will come out will have essentially a 30-day exclusivity window if you buy the PlayStation version. Um, I think the big thing that this brought up to me was one, there's if you have the option, there is no reason to buy this game if you're planning to buy it on a non-PlayStation system. Um, that it it obviously just makes sense to buy it on PlayStation. But if you don't, man, you're missing out on the biggest Marvel character there is. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it, it's a little different from an exclusive game developed for a Sony console exclusively by a developer in partnership with Sony and Marvel. This is, you know, a multi-platform game that PC and Xbox players will be playing, roughly receiving the same content otherwise. But uh, it's a arguably pretty sizable chunk of exclusive content, but, obviously, depending on but how much flip it side, is. They're also kind of showing their whole by basically being like, yeah, this is um, not really integral content. This is not stuff that you, like the fact that you can just lift Spider-Man out of that game, it yeah. kind of is an indication that maybe Spider-Man's not that big of a part of that game. Not Which great. then makes I, me like, like not really want the Spider-Man content. Well, like, <laughs> I mean, really you know, fun. you want it, but it's just like, if it's if it's deemed inessential, which is essentially what it, it, it is being deemed if it's only available on one, on one platform in a shared universe, right? Like for me, I think that this is a very smart move on 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 Sony's part. Very very smart business decision. But it's also the kind of like the most like cynical sort of gatekeeping stuff that I really don't like in this industry. Like if I was Sony, if I was like president of PlayStation, I would be like, yeah, like absolutely, this is a a a, a, a perfect get for us. Sony and 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 Spider Man are very very linked together as, as brands. And, you know, this makes sense for us. And also it means that people are going to want to play this on our systems. Makes total sense. But like, it's so crappy that yeah. Xbox players and PC players just get locked out of that whole playground. Like, it, I just find that really, really, it just rubs me the wrong way. No, like I'm speaking of playgrounds, if, if the video game industry is the seesaw between art and business, this is just, you know, this is business. This is business. Like it's you can you can sit there and be like, this is you know, this is a good move. It's a smart. It's a sound. You know, financial decision. It's good. It's also you know, as we're all alluding to, pretty shitty. <laughs> like, like I think, I think that um, like Jim Sterling put it really well. He said that uh, you know, um, the, the Xbox and PC versions are you know are, are or Sony announces the Xbox and PC versions aren't getting Spider Man like. Instead of just being like, oh, one version is getting it, look at the overwhelming amount of uh, of places that aren't getting it, including you, Stadia. We didn't forget about we you. See you. <laughs> we see you there. Oh, I think we see you. You're invisible. Who knows where you are? You're not even real. Um, but no, it's 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 smart and it sucks. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's not great. Um, and this is coming from someone who has very little interest in this game. The more I look at it, uh, even the more they add to it, I, I just, it's just not, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's like Canadian Avengers destiny. Like I'm, I'm good, you know, I'm, I'm okay. Like this is, there's, I, I know I work with a lot of people that are going to be super into this game, Destin Legary, Um, And I'm just not one of them, you know, so like the more they add on to this, the more I'm like, I, I will come closer and closer to considering 
a purchase on PlayStation now before ultimately not doing so. Um, but yeah, I, I think it. I think it sucks, and I, I think it like Jonathan, you nailed it. Like, what is the incentive for multi-platform players to buy this on what would be their preferred system? Because um, it's not. It's not like there's only some multi. It's it's not like a truly multiplayer game, so it's not like. Like you need to be on the same network as your friends or anything like that. Well, so. And there's no cross-player cross-progression right now in the game, uh, so th- those players won't even get to see like Spider-Man swinging around, which you know could be a little uh, not great if you cannot get him, but he was somehow in your game. <laughs> that would be pretty awful. Um, that would suck so much. It just, it he just would just be like him playing Hawkeye, Chief. and you'd be like, oh, <laughs> "Well, there goes Spider-Man," but I've got my arrows at least, you know. Oh. No, I, I tweeted. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I tweeted about this. I'm I'm old, and I remember when Soul Calibur two came out, and how annoyed I was as a multi platform owner because uh, there were three different versions of that game, and each one had a different exclusive character. Uh, GameCube got Link from Zelda, obviously. Um, PS two got Heihachi from Tekken, and Xbox got freaking Spawn, which was just like there's no there was no logic behind that, like except for like I guess Spawn is like adjacent to green. Sometimes, like it's there's really not like there was no real reasoning for it. Um, no, it but it worked. Out. Yeah, you know, yeah. it worked, and it, and it was like okay, well, so if you you know if if you want to play with Spawn, you can go here. If you want to play with Link, you go here. But the the fighting game community at the time hated that because there was no parity between platforms. Uh, and I believe they did it again a couple years later with Yoda and Darth Vader oh, and. Yeah. Um, on the on the PS3 and Xbox versions, I mean, and, I kind of like that because it just fans the flames of console war as opposed yes. to just being like two thirds of the of the conversation, not counting Stadia. Sorry, but like two thirds doesn't get to they don't have a they don't have a dog in this fight. They don't have anything. Yes. But if you were like, guess what? On on PlayStation, you get uh, you get Spider Man, and then on Xbox, you get uh, I don't know Wolverine, and then on PC, you get moon knight or something deadpool like, or something yeah yeah that would be interesting to be like oh yeah. this is like a this is i mean and if somebody's ass, like if somebody's like they're not avengers they probably were once at some point because that comic's been rebooted seven thousand times and also it's fake it's not yeah. real it doesn't matter yeah. it's but just this cool is, this is also I, like i'm i'm yeah. so i'm so sick of this because like i love i love marvel comics so much like i grew up with with marvel and the whole thing about marvel is that it's a universe like it's this one cohesive thing where you're like oh no like magneto's kids are they're on the they're on the avengers but they used to be on magneto's team and they have to sometimes fight the x-men and beast used to be on the avengers but now he's in the x-men but then the fact that like marvel basically just sold out all its properties to like different companies means that it's like this weird i mean we're just kind of starting to see like you know disney scooped up fox and now they're like how do we integrate half of this universe into this existing universe we've made but like the fact that this extends into video games too just sucks. Like we mm-hmm. had like Marvel versus Capcom is amazing. It's got this wonderful, like, Oh, here's just this entire roster of like crazy characters from across the board, you know, predating that entire weird business deal. And then we got Marvel versus Capcom infinite. And it was like, Oh, interesting. It's, it's only, it's really just the the ones that are in the MCU. It's really just the yeah. sort of capital M Marvel side of things. And like, the Lego Marvel superheroes game. The first one is I think my favorite Marvel game because it manages to just be like, it's like all of them. Like you can have venom and Wolverine and they're riding around in a car together for no reason. And it's great. And then the second one, they were like, Oh uh, no, it's um, we don't, we don't have some of those now. They're, they're not here, but Uh, you can have this world girl or whatever. (laughs) You look at ultimate Alliance and it was somehow able to pull it off and pull together, you know, a bunch of different 
what is now known as universes. Yeah, it's it's super frustrating, honestly, because like when you were a kid and you flip through comics or you got a pack of Marvel cards, everybody was there together. It wasn't like you didn't have to go buy different packs to get the X-Men or, you know, uh, X-Force or anything like that. They're all just in there. And so now being all sort of uh, segregated from each other because of legal reasons, like ultimately it just sucks as a fan. And I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, what is this sort of polar opposite of the joy I feel playing my favorite video game in the world. It's debating with people over who has legal rights to, you know, cartoon characters. It's like divorce filings. It sucks. Half the conversation conversation yesterday after the Spider-Man news was sort of about like, well, Sony owns Spider-Man, right? And it's like, well, no, they own the film rights. And then people are like, they, they don't own the game rights. And then people are like, well, maybe there was a deal that happened. It's like, yeah, but maybe there also wasn't. Like, you, we can't prove a thing that we don't know about. So right now we're working with what we know. And as far as we officially know, and they've been pretty open about what the deals were between Sony and uh, Disney when it comes to Spider-Man rights, they own the film rights. And uh, Marvel, as, as a subsidiary of Disney, holds on to the rest of the Spider-Man rights. Uh, and so yeah. that's why he can appear in LEGO Marvel Super Heroes 2 and Ultimate Alliance 3 and have an exclusive game on... Uh, PS4, but also appear in Marvel's Avengers, even though it's because a different those, Spider-Man. Those are the those are the deals that are made. Like, yeah. and we, we we've got to we've got to sort of you know recognize that this is definitely not uh, isolated to PlayStation. I mean, oh, I remember sure. uh, you know PlayStation gamers being locked out of Rise of the Tomb Raider for I think a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, which again is just oh, it's just so crap. Mm-hmm. I just it's, you know I really don't like the the kind of business model of you get this and you don't get this. And yeah. vice versa, you know, it's just like I, well, I, get, I, mean, it, I get it, but uh, you know. what? What was your favorite sort of N sixty four three D platform around the rare collection? You know, do you guys have fun <laughs> playing Goldeneye over there? No, because that one's also entangled in like seventeen different studio rights. This thing is so bizarre that not only is it keeping spider-man from other platforms the official press release about this announcement made it seem like we never got a spider-man game before on playstation like they were like oh we looked at some steve ditko drawings and we you know we had some really good ideas it's like dude we we're getting one of those in like three months and also we got one of those like two years ago we know what it's like to play a a modern spider-man video game like they're like oh he's got a specific feel i don't know if you guys have seen this guy before and they're like yeah we know like his movies are huge, and this was one of the best-selling games of this generation. Was was Insomniac Spider-Man game? So, like, why are why are they pretending like these things don't exist? Because they weren't even allowed to address that. That's the same Spider-Man. It's not even the same Spider-Man, but that that it's even a character that they, that has been in a video game recently. Like, it's so dumb. It's all yeah, so and- stupid. Well, and it's so funny because like that happened with Ultimate Alliance 3 and, you know, we can move on from this before we get into the weeds of contract rights. But yeah, uh, Ultimate Alliance 3 Spider-Man is played by Yuri Lowenthal, who was Spider-Man in Marvel's Spider-Man, but it is not the same Spider-Man, despite them having the same voice actor. Um, Laura Bailey was Black Widow in that game, but she's also Black Widow in this game, but they're different Black Widows. It's rights are so strange and when there is like it marvel games as an entity i think is really interesting because they are this like strange middlemen that get to license out all the properties which means we do get awesome things like ultimate alliance 3 and spider-man whereas you know star wars is held exclusively by ea which limits how many devs can work on it but yeah we're in this weird place where they also can't acknowledge each other's games and so we have to pretend like there wasn't a spider-man game (laughs) 
a year and a half ago. Um, it's also strange, and obviously we'll keep up on any other uh, exclusive announcements because, uh, you know, between that or even something like Final Fantasy VII Remake being a launch exclusive on PS4 or uh, Deathloop and, uh, forgive me, I'm totally blanking on the Tango, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. That's why. Yeah. Um, I, we... Those are exclusively launching on uh, PS5 console-wise. I expect we'll continue to see exclusive stuff coming from Sony in the future. I don't think this is the end of it. Yeah, and I think this is them going, do you like Spider-Man? Then this is the console. Yep. Yeah, like, it's, it's them going, it's, it's them taking your brain and smashing it in the Spider-Man logo and going, association, association, you can only associate our console with Spider-Man and nobody else. And it's a smart move because he's an incredibly beloved character it also sucks he's america's favorite marvel superhero yeah true yeah he's currently ranked as the favorite and is pretty much the favorite every year uh for like a few years running so uh when it comes to marvel heroes so yeah it makes sense they'd want to have the most popular hero on uh playstation consoles uh i I think they should just put spawn on xbox again it doesn't matter To, I'd actually, think, I'd be that would kick some ass if they were like, guess what, loser? Spawn is now on Xbox <laughs> Avengers. That's a whole, yeah, that's a, a lot of other contract work we'd have to go through. Um, before we continue on with the rest of this show, I, I do want to quickly toss. Uh, I got to speak with the some of the developers behind Fall Guys, which is now available as a free game on PlayStation Plus. So you can go uh, listen to what they had to say about the game's launch, it being on uh, PS Plus as a free game at its launch, and uh, what the future is going to hold uh, for that game. So I'll throw to that interview right now. Hey, Beyond listeners and viewers, this is Jonathan. And if there's uh, one thing I could tell you I'm a little disappointed about right now, it's that at this time, I'm not playing Fall Guys. Uh, and that's a bit of a problem, but thankfully I'm doing the next best thing. I'm talking to some of the team behind Fall Guys to get a little more info about the game, which is now available for free with PlayStation Plus. If you have a PlayStation Plus subscription, you can go download the game as part of this month's free game lineup. I'm joined this week by Jeff, the creative director, and Joe, the lead game designer on Fall Guys. Thank you both so much for being here with me to talk about the game. Oh, thank you for having us. It's great to be here. Gotcha. Uh, And of course, I I do want to mention for those who are listening uh, or watching at home, a little peek behind the curtain. We are recording this on launch day for Fall Guys (laughs) Ultimate Knockout. So thank you both for taking the time on what I assume is already a crazy day uh, to humor me with my questions about this delightful, wonderful game that I'm so excited is finally out there and we get to play with such a huge audience now. Um, So I, I want to, of course, kick off with for maybe those who are listening or watching who maybe don't have a full view of Fall Guys or maybe have just heard of it in passing. Could you give us sort of like the the nuts nutshell pitch uh, for what is Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we really packaged Fall Guys as the greatest knockout game show the world has ever seen. So if you've seen Takeshi's Castle or if you've seen Total Wipeout, that's really where we're starting with our influences. It's all about taking a bunch of useless competitors who are our four guys and putting them through like round after round of quick two minute elimination games that range everything from your classic gauntlet all the way through to team games and survival things. Um, and after each mini game, we're going to knock out a handful of people and we're just going to keep whittling you down kind of battle royale style until we got one player left. So we've kind of been calling it party royale. It's like somewhere between a battle royale and a game like Mario party is, is where four guys lives. 
Yeah, it, it feels like a really great marriage, I think, of those two sort of genres, as you're sort of mentioning, the like party game and the battle royale game. And, you know, obviously there is such a craze of battle royale games from the last few years, but it almost always involves trying to shoot down your opponents. Uh, it's often a pretty uh, violent uh, affair, even if it's colorful and cheerful. But what I love about Fall Guys is the aesthetic is so bright and colorful and immediately grab your attention, but also just the... I, I guess the feeling of both when you're playing it and you're watching it is there is this um, enthusiasm and like a joy to it that it brings. Was it was that sort of, I think, difference than most Battle Royale games? Was that sort of a key component in kind of putting this game together? Yeah, it came from a couple of things. For us, it came from like Saturday morning TV shows, you know, just that that kind of blitz of color and enthusiasm and joy, I think, you know, and, and not really having to explain yourself too much, just putting it out there and, and kind of reacting to it. So, yeah, there was definitely a part of that. And also, uh, you know, with regards to uh, the lack of shooting, um, that actually came from us just being terrible, just terrible <laughs> at shooting games. You know, we just wanted to make a battle royale that we would stand at least a chance of winning at, although judging by the games I've had just today with now the rest of the population of the world kind of coming online, um, I we failed at that as well. I have not I've failed to win a single game. So, yeah. Already expert play going on in just the early hours. Yeah, some of the strats we've been seeing already on levels that we've been playing like 500, like a thousand times through. <laughs> it takes 24 hours uh, for, for the internet to decide. You guys are idiots. You've been doing it all wrong and for them to have just be correct in that as well. <laughs> well, and of course there were, um, you know, not on PlayStation, but there were a few PC betas over the last few weekends. And I was sort of curious, you know, going into launch, what that maybe told you sort of large scale about how players were approaching the game, um, some of the particular aspects of the game, like some of the mini games that people were really gravitating toward. What, what did those betas teach the team uh, sort of as you went into launch? Yeah, I think a big part has been looking at the levels that people enjoy, um, especially and making sure that like down the line, we're, we're addressing that feedback directly. I mean, we're running these betas right up until launch to get to get as full full launch ready as we can, but um, a lot of the stuff that we're seeing in beaters around people requesting levels to be uh, to be harder or to be easier, we've, we're already working on as a team, and we're putting a lot of the most highly requested features into you know quality of life updates that we're hoping to launch you know within a couple of days of launch if possible, and then long term you know really listening to what are the biggest features that people want um, and making sure that our roadmap that we're hopefully going to share with the community reflects what 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 those beta testers are wanting. We've been surprised by just like the, the marathon sessions that people have put in. Like we we appreciate we're launching with 25 stages. We love those stages. We've played them all a huge amount of times and we're still happy to play them. So we, we knew there was a certain amount of longevity there. We didn't expect like 10 hour streams and people to still be coming back to those rounds again and again and again and finding something, still finding something new and exciting in them uh, like every time. So that's been fantastic to see. Well, I, I was sort of curious on that note, um, you know, as someone who has played uh, on the minigame side, you know, quite a few Mario Party games in my day. What what sort of goes into, I guess, creating a, uh, especially for Fall Guys, a, a minigame that you think will sort of stand the test of time? Obviously, there was a lot of, as you were saying, playing these hundreds, thousands of times to make sure they, you know, still held up and there was still something fresh to find. But what went into sort of the variety that ended up in the game at launch? Yeah, I think that's been the biggest thing for us is that we know that people are going to be playing these mini games over and over again. And so a big thing has been looking for ways to make these one in a million moments happen. You know, that's what makes Battle Royale so exciting. That's what makes multiplayer games so exciting. And so it's been looking for ways to to bring that into the game. And that can come from lots of different areas that can come from the obstacles that we, we put in. So something like the giant seesaws 
there's just a natural unpredictability to physics that allows us to create these really unique moments. Um, every time we've been able to use a proper physics simulation for something, we have done because it just gives us so much more interesting flexibility there. I mean, we've already seen people now, things that are supposed to be obstacles, people have figured out if you get hit by them, it'll catapult you forwards through the level. So we're seeing strategies come out there. And then the other big part of it is just the fact that even if you're doing the same obstacle course you maybe done before, there are 59 other people doing it with you. And the the route that you want to take might not be the best route this time because of the way the choke points kind of ebb and flow with those many people. Um, and so that's been another big thing as well. It's just making sure that when we design a level, just having people in there should make that experience better um, has been really, really important. Um, and we definitely feel like we're nailing that so far with the levels, which is really exciting. But I think it's something that we want to push further as we go into launch. You know, we hear lots of requests for things like, you know, slight elements of randomization, which we can just double down. So you have the randomization of the characters, you know, the physics in there, and there's something almost proc gen going on. These are the things where we think that's where Fall Guys is really, really going to sing. And that's where we're kind of looking at at the moment. Also, we like it when people fall over. So we just tried to make a lot of things where people fall over. They, I, yeah, exactly. you know, uh, yeah, but with with fall in the name, it makes sense. Uh, it's it, it, there is something truly delightful about it. You know, as many times as I've seen it, either playing in the betas or um, watching, you know, other people playing, there there is a, a consistent delight in seeing that happen over <laughs> and over. Um, and, and I did want to ask sort of about, you, you know, I do think there's this, uh, maybe a little bit of magic that I can't fully understand, but the uh, nailing that the, both the cuteness of the characters that you're playing as, but also um, the amusement of seeing them fall down and also the amusement of seeing them go through these levels. H how did the team sort of land on this uh, design that also can have a lot of designs to it uh, for the, the characters that you'll play as? Yeah, so we started off um, looking at things like Takeshi's Castle, MXC, Total Wipeout. Like for us, you know, we started with a bunch of GIFs before, we, you know, before we even started developing the game. We were pitching it out to publishers and obviously we ended up with Devolver, like good friends of ours and we're super happy to have made it with them. But we started on that pitch with just like getting a whole bunch of GIFs together of just like people falling over and face planting. And as we went through the pitching process and, you know, we were talking to Devolver, we were talking to other people. Um, one of the things that I was asked was just like, what is special about it? What's, what's this character's special power? What do they do? What's the button press that makes this character do something, you know, that, that, that's really going to like set gamers off and, and, and set them apart? And for a long time, I didn't have a great answer to that question. You know, we, we, we neither of us did. We, we were just kind of like, look, it's, they're just going to walk along and fall over. That's, that's kind of it, you know. And then we realized like uh, probably about a couple of months into development, that's what they do but then anyone else they they fall over like these these things needed to be you know mario is like wonderful i i played odyssey until i had claw hands you know but mario will always hit his jumps perfectly and he'll never just stumble you know like and that's why you love mario because you can trust him you can't you can't trust a full guy <laughs> to not stack it over a step you know and for us like oh yeah that's what makes them special we kind of built out from that they they needed to be uniquely bad at what we were asking them to do in order for it to be funny and um so much of the design space went into kind of like leaning into that ethos essentially yeah totally i mean it's been a big thing is trying to find the balance between this like funny adorable useless character but also especially as we started developing the game realizing quite how competitive it was going to be you know it's a tournament at the end of the day but we definitely found that there was a, a really trick tricky middle ground to to be found between making a character that is funny and falls over but is not as useless as some of the other silly physics games where literally trying to pick something up takes you 10 minutes and that's very funny in like a sandbox environment but when 
you know, 20 minutes of gaming is on the line and your heart's beating <laughs> and you need to win. You, you need the character to react to what you're doing. And so we kind of, we feel like it should be your fault if you screw up. Like if you press jump, the character jumps, but it should make you laugh. And if things hit you, they should react in a way that is indicative of those game shows because we spent a lot of time making sure that their hands fly in the air just like they do in the gifts. You know, they <laughs> land and they bounce just like they do in, in real life. So I think I think we found a really good middle ground where you feel confident and you have trust in your character, but you know, sometimes the odds are just stacked against you and you're gonna be laughing as you get eliminated. There's yeah, there can be a very uh thin line between something that's uh pathetic to see fall over, but also something that's comical to see. Uh and certainly as funny as it is to see them fall over, you wanna also know you can maybe win a, a match for sure. So I get that. Um I, I you you touched on a couple of things that I wanted to mention, but I guess one of the big ones is that that influence of uh, game shows of this type. Uh, you know, I don't think we see a lot of translation of that, but I certainly grew up on a lot um, uh, of those types of shows, watching them every Saturday morning, as you were saying, and, you know, days after school. They, they were such a big part of growing up for me, and there's there's not a lot that always translates that, uh, the the insanity of all of that, the the excitement and thrill, but also the wackiness of it into a game. Um, I I'm guess I, I wanted to ask sort of what were some of the key points that as you were looking at a lot of reference material and whatnot, like what from the game shows that you were pulling inspiration from felt like it needed to be translated into Fall Guys? Well, yeah, it's good. I think one of the biggest things that we really liked is is our elimination screen, which is this giant tiled view of all of the characters in their squares and pushing them out. You know, that's inspired by things like One Versus 100, which was an amazing like multiplayer game that, that disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah. Um, and it just allowed us to inject the game with some physicality in a screen that's usually quite dry. Like if you look at a lot of games, your leaderboards are just UI elements and um we felt like it was a perfect place to inject some of that game show. You know, there's like a little drum roll, there's sound effects, there's a Plinko board at the bottom. And so that was kind of one of the first areas where we could lean into that that game show aspect. Um, and we've also sprinkled it throughout the rest of the game as well. So, for example, as you play, you can hear the crowd cheering. They're almost like canned laughter effects, just like you'd see in a game show. And there are also, if you look closely, drones kind of flying around the arena as well. Like we're trying to put as many touches into the game as possible to make you feel like you're being broadcast on a world stage. Because um, it just feels like that, that DNA has to be in the game to like to create a proper game show aspect, a proper game show feeling. Yeah, and game shows themselves are just like fundamentally have always been battle royales. And, and the moment we started kind of looking at them in in, in that way, it, it made a whole bunch of sense. Like there is something so exciting about starting in a mass of people, whether it's 100 or 60 or, you know, 10 or whatever. And the format of so many game shows is like, it's the final round. Be, be the person who's left standing at the end, you know. So um, it was wild when we were like, oh, we should we should kind of build Royale structure around this, and then you look at literally Takeshi's Castle, which is like a hundred people, you know, go into a series of like ridiculous obstacles, and some will remain. It's like okay, so the Japanese are way ahead of us on that one, but you know, we can we can we can build on this. You know, we can definitely make a game out of this. Yeah, I think as well. Like also, the last thing was looking at the environments themselves. So when you race through the level, you can see you know creases and folds in the level itself because everything is made out of crash mats and everything is made out of these like foam pillars and stuff we wanted to make it feel like this is basically a universe where someone's been given a blank check to build everything they've ever <laughs> wanted to but it's still a game show and it still needs to feel like that when you're running across these you know tarpaulin vinyl surfaces and things like that which is really really important 
I, uh, I I can't honestly wait to read the fan fiction about the the people who in universe <laughs> designed these games and what what was going on in their heads. Um, but I, I did want to ask you. You had mentioned a little bit, um, uh, is sort of in the last question, also about the you know the competitive nature of it, but the occasional need to work together, and that is uh, definitely a part of some game shows uh, that I'm sure you pulled inspiration from. But I, I think that's a really unique balance to something like this, where occasionally you will need to work together, but you're also probably going to have to betray those people that you work with. What what sort of the balance that goes into letting that happen organically for players, but making sure that you design a world that does enable that? Yeah, I think uh, the first level we designed where that really came to the fore was. Uh, seesaw which is just these giant tennis court sized seesaws that you have to traverse and it suddenly we found people having to kind of shout and scream and, and try and like corral this group of people to, to move to the left move to the right and it just seemed like a really exciting thing because it's been seen in, in game shows before you like you said um i mean that level's like fairly controversial we've seen from our vitas <laughs> but it's the kind of thing that makes four guys feel really unique um is is this idea of these slightly useless people having to work together and we almost like we looked at even things like twitch plays pokemon for example like this idea of the group having to make decisions but without necessarily being able to communicate with each other um and we just yeah. it just seemed so exciting to try and build mini games around that idea of, of very instant like split second decision making but without high level strategy yeah and obviously we've got the team games as well where like the the players specifically kind of like your red team your yellow team your blue team you now do a thing together um they're contentious as well but but i love them like i like they for me they're like been such an integral part of full guys there is a, there is a certain amount of rng because you don't know exactly who you're going to get paired up with and as with all team games you know like the, the team has to work together to win but <laughs> for us like it works in the format of this game show you know and 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 to me it's always the most exciting part of the show when I'm when I'm thrown into a team game because I'm I'm suddenly not just like running through the uh, like I know I, I've already got my strategy for the best way to do this thing I am so conscious of everyone else around me and reacting and everything is so much more emergent in that space so yeah we we really wanted to kind of like um, grab that from game show influence and, and run with it yeah there there feels like from what I've played from the beta is just this really great balance of sometimes needing to rely on the mob but also needing to rely on myself and and finding where those moments matter most can really uh determine how a a, a match goes and i i love that sort of the thrill of not knowing but also the thrill of trying to get better at these levels and also knowing there's only so much i can do depending on the the group of people i'm playing with yeah. um i i did want to uh, of course touch you know uh as we're speaking on a playstation show to talk about what's great in terms of there probably being a pretty decently sized crowd uh today is of course the game being free at launch if you're a playstation plus subscriber of course you can purchase the game if you don't subscribe to playstation plus but i was sort of curious obviously um knowing you can't speak to specifics of the deals but sort of um the decision to go free at launch for playstation plus subscribers you know it does open you up to a huge crowd but of course the, I'm sure as a business, you have to weigh people buying it versus subscribers jumping in and being part of the game for the long haul. Uh, if you could, you know, talk about sort of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for us, like I would never have discovered Rocket League and spent months and months of my life in Rocket League, if not for the PS Plus deal, you know, and I just, for us, like I just brought that to the table. Like, and we were, you know, we were super happy to talk to Sony about that um, immediately when it was put on offer because we just know how game changing can be for for a game like ours, you know, like there is no guarantee. Like we've been really lucky with the betas and like the the general kind of marketing around the game. Like 
but you never know when you're saying like 60 people starting around um you want there to be 60 people on the start line when that game goes live and there's like there's there's a better guarantee for that than launching on ps plus and having those players waiting and ready to go we are astoundingly happy with how it's turned out and yeah it was never really a question um as soon as it was on offer we we were going to go for it yeah there's a a great excitement rocket league is exactly the game that comes to mind for me as well um that was certainly one i don't think i would have played nearly as much had it not just instantly showed up uh, as a free <laughs> game on my game library but it, there's there's really been this excitement you know especially uh seeing some of the podcast beyond community and of course us on the show really excited for this game leading up to launch and seeing that playstation plus announcement was that sort of oh yeah there's going to be a great install base ready to go on yeah. day one and we're going to be able to jump in and just probably hopefully pretty easily find <laughs> matches which is going to be a blast to see right. um and so sort of looking at you know having this possible uh base coming in at playstation on day one and of course the game being on steam uh sort of looking ahead you know now that we're out at launch what, what are some of the i know you were mentioning you know quality of life stuff uh as some of the immediate focuses for the team but what sort of the the long tail view the team is taking uh when it comes to supporting fall guys in the long run uh, i can talk about like the, the short-term stuff and then joe if you want to take uh, some of the the, you know the, the more the bigger temple features um for us it's going to be content out the gates so we we we've, people have been super happy to play the levels that are there um we want to put some variety into the existing levels so right now like you're going to run through that stage it's going to be the same each time you play it we're going to look for ways to mix that up so you can't be as sure about what you're running through and we're going to try and drop that um as soon as we can uh and then obviously as we move on to different seasons more like lots of costumes dropping throughout the season but as we're looking to future seasons uh, new stages like new obstacles to put in those stages and then really applying those obstacles to existing stages as well so we start to build up this um just kind of like huge suite of, of variety in the levels that, that people are taking on yeah totally and then i think alongside this this season update of, of giving people new content there's also like real temple features that we see requesting i mean we're still deciding on 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 which one of these we want to do first and which one of the things more more important but you know we hear people talking about crossplay for example there's something that people love and is 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 you know it's one of those things that when we started development on this game it was something that only a handful of gamers had and now is a real staple so we really hear people on crossplay the same for you know squads mode for example we think there's some really exciting things we can do with squads mode and fall guys that you know completely turns turns the experience on its head like the idea of doing a team race for example and quite quite how that feels is is going to be really fun uh and then also like you know stuff to support the streaming community the game has just done absolutely gangbusters big on on twitch you know we're number one right now um and there are loads of features that twitch are really excited about about having you know we talked about things like custom games so streamers can get their community in and we talked about you know, we love like marbles on on Twitch, which is this huge spectator thing. And you know, Fall Guys is not that far right, far away from one of those insane old school courses. We actually looked at it quite a lot during development. So there's just so much exciting stuff that we could do with the game as as a base. And it's really about just just picking the right ones. So we're we're taking a bit of time now just to listen to the community. Um, you've got to be careful as well that you don't just listen to the loudest community first. We really want to see <laughs> what what the majority want, not just. The people have been playing since since day one and already ranked forty on our season pass, <laughs> and who are already beating you at your own game. I, I yeah, I about, about twenty <laughs> minutes this morning where I was competing and I did all right, and now everyone's gotten too good. 
<laughs> well, uh, hopefully these 20 or so minutes that we've spent talking uh, didn't further bump you down the leaderboards. But uh, no, no joke, it's, my PlayStation is uh, on rest mode as soon as I kick it back on. It's it's going to launch right into Fall Guys. Uh, so I'm very excited to keep playing after the betas. And congratulations to you both on the game launching. Uh, thank you a ton for taking the time to speak with me. I, I'm really excited to keep playing Fall Guys, keep seeing the community grow and uh, seeing how the game evolves over time. Oh, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thanks. Cheers. It's been really fun. And of course, uh, as we had mentioned at the top of the episode, uh, the top of the conversation, if you want to play Fall Guys and you are a PlayStation Plus subscriber, it is free to download right now. So what are you doing? Uh, finish listening to this episode, of course, but then go download the game and get into the crazy fun that is Fall Guys. Uh, thank you, Jeff and Joe, again, for joining me. And I'll throw it back to myself for the rest of the episode. And we're back from that interview. Great job, as always, Jonathan. Great job. I think job. it was some of your best. Thank you. I really appreciate it. We all sat here and listened to all 20 minutes. It was wonderful. Um, I do want to, before we move on quickly to talk about what we're playing, I did want to mention there was, because uh, Brian, this was something you had brought up in the, the Slack channel that we have. Um, we got the latest quarterly earnings reports for PlayStation. While, of course, there are a ton of boring gap measurement uh, averages and numbers that we don't really care about. Um, the total PS4 sales are now at 112 million. There are 113 million active PlayStation network users. Um, the number of PlayStation Plus subscribers jumped to 45 million overall. And uh, one of the biggest things that we saw from this past quarter, and obviously it's a factor of where we are right now in the world, but like digital sales were tremendously up this quarter, uh, not just compared to this quarter a year ago, but like the whole last year. Um, it accounted, I think, for like roughly... 24% or some crazy number of their total money made this quarter. I'm going to find the exact metric, but um, I'm yeah, it was 24% was digital software sales. So mm -hmm. a quarter of the money they made in this past quarter was entirely from digital software. Um, I think we saw a huge results from games like uh, last of us, ghost of Tsushima, final fantasy seven remake, like all really well-selling games. And from what the devs would say and what were they're allowed to say publicly about their numbers. Cause so much of this stuff is private is they sold very well digitally. Um, and you know, I don't think this means suddenly goodbye physical games. Like we're still going to have physical games for quite a while, especially going to this generation, but I we're think we're still going to have all fatty PlayStation five. Yeah. Yeah. The, the fatty <laughs> PlayStation five. Crackers. Uh, <laughs> But I, I do think it's really interesting to see people be willing to adapt to such a shift because I do know, you know, a lot of people do like to have the disc because you do get more of an ownership than when you're downloading the digital license for this game from a store. Um, so to see that people are willing to give that up en masse, uh, I definitely think. Sorry, go ahead. No, you uh, finish your thought. I was just going to say, I think this is a trend that even though the numbers will likely go down as shelter in place things around the world do ease or when we eventually maybe someday get out of this to a certain extent i do think those numbers will go down but i do think they will sort of hit a new high like they'll they'll hit a new sustained point uh, and we'll see them only continue to rise yeah yeah no i was gonna i was gonna say to add to that i think this this was a trend that we were sort of you know tiptoeing towards for a very long time um i believe it hit like 40 60 a few years ago and then 50 50 and i think this year specifically um thrust people into moving into a more digital territory and i don't know how many of them will sort of come back from it 
I think for a lot of people, it's it's sort of that tipping point of realizing, and it sucks, right? Because it, it it does sort of relinquish any true ownership of games. You are uh, essentially just buying a license that you can hope to hold on to until a publisher decides that it no longer wants to support that software on its digital storefronts, and then it goes away, which doesn't happen with a disc. The only thing you have to deal with is, with a disc is disc rot, which is pretty rare, you know, um, and not something you probably have to deal with for a few decades. And so I do think that um, this is a scenario where a lot of people were thrust into this situation this year and uh, whether they wanted to or not, didn't have the option of going to a GameStop or a store or anything like that. And so um, like, I, I know just anecdotally a bunch of friends of mine who are, are you know, aren't have people li- listen to the show who play video games and their, their situation is they, they buy a video game, they beat it and then they trade it in and then COVID quarantine happened and they were like, I'm just home all the time. So they just started downloading games and hitting me up being like, oh, what should I get? What should I get? Um, uh, one of the more surprising stats in there was sort of that the their DLC is making, DLC on, on Sony platforms is making more money than than digital games is in terms of revenue. Like, And so I don't know who of you is doing that, but <laughs> don't be, we, we can't all be like, yeah, we can't be like DLC is bad and complain about microtransactions and then secretly go home and like <laughs> smoke cigarettes behind the house. Like you, somebody's doing it. I mean, so, I think the, the top 10 PSN like charts at the end of last year, every top downloaded DLC add on, except for like maybe one of them was Call of Duty. The other nine were Fortnite. Like people, right. when it comes to free to play games, people are more inclined, even though if you end up spending more money over time, like I, I have bought money to like, I've bought battle passes or even costumes here and there. I've probably spent the roughly price of a full price game, if not a little more buying DLC content for a free game. Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously I mean, I'm I, not alone in that. It felt, I mean, I know that like free to play a minute ago was like a, a crappy thing you got on your phone and like, maybe you'd buy like loot box or like little packs of, of things that, you know, cosmetics or whatever, but like, kind of overnight it's just well not overnight but you know we've got like apex and fortnite like two of the biggest games ever i mean warzone is huge like the fact that like it used to be like it was free to play or or it was triple a like you didn't really see triple a console games that were just free to jump into and check it out and there's that whole thing where like oh i didn't pay anything for this so yeah i'll, I'll spend 10 bucks on this that's just right. a, you know a drop in the bucket and then you know gradually over time you're like oh i well, I've definitely spent you know the full price of a game, but here we are. And there's I did I, yeah. I'm guilty of that with Fortnite actually because like there was like a uh, I was like I've I played that game for you know a, a a while like a couple a couple of months, and I was like this was free, so I'll you know I'll throw out some bucks get get a cosmetic skin or something. And I mean Microsoft announced that Halo Infinite is going to have free to play multiplayer. That is huge, and I'm wondering if Sony can do something similarly. I mean I know that. Naughty Dog is working on some sort of Last of Us shaped multiplayer spinoff. Um, that game sold tremendously well, aside from you know the internet or a lot of people on the internet telling you that it was bad um, or not or disliking it. Uh, I don't think that that's going to that sort of tarnished concept of, of people not liking it will carry over to the multiplayer because it it'll be sort of you know uh, autonomous from having a story or maybe abby will be there might be a woman with muscles in it which could be scary for some people but for the most part um i think that it would be really smart of them to put that game out as a free-to-play multiplayer game and then charge for you know skins and and other nonsense and 
Because it, it looks like that's the smart thing to do right now, honestly. And I hate it because it, it, it allows a lot of companies to get pretty gross. And especially we're seeing like 2K announced that a lot of their next-gen games are going to be more expensive. Um, so we're actually immediately not going to have parity across third-party studios and first-party studios in terms of next-gen software pricing. But I don't think that those savings will be, or the, you know, that that extra money will be passed on to the consumer. All the microtransaction stuff, all the DLC stuff will still be in there. You'll just pay 70 bucks for the disc this year instead of 60. And so, yeah, it's kind of gross. Yeah, um, and, and for people like like me, I have a somewhat... If I get really into a game, I will throw a lot of unnecessary money. I got really into Hearthstone and had to force myself to stop because I was <laughs> spending. I was spending too much. My, I'm like one of those people that just like wants it all. If I if I'm playing a game, then I want everything, and that's why free to play isn't the greatest option for me personally. Just because like. I just get too grubby and greedy and then spend money and it's stupid and I'm too old and yeah, you know, I should be buying furniture, not like frog cards. So <laughs> like, yeah, it, it is. It, it, it also sort of preys on that, like that little kind of crab inside some people that just wants everything. And I don't know. It, it's not great for me. I, I get it as a business model, but not great for me. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally, I, I don't even want to think about when I was really at like playing at the height of it, how much money I spent on Pokemon Go, uh, let alone how much money Andrew Goldfarb spent on Pokemon Go. Um, so like, obviously these models can work for people uh, and I get it, but yeah, I completely agree with you. It does, it then creates this weird economy of, okay, it's $20 to buy a costume in this game. What versus, you know, I can buy a, Skyrim for $20 right now. So like, yeah, you get into such a weird economy and I get why people get mad when you see cosmetics like that, that don't have any gameplay value costing 10, 20 bucks, but obviously people are buying them or they wouldn't cost that much. And it's, that I mean, weird. the, the good news is that we're having this conversation on a PlayStation show and PlayStation has proven this generation that they still care about fundamentally competent, strong single-player experiences that aren't riddled with, you know, microtransaction garbage. Um, you might get some here and there. There might be a couple of games that uh, add those things. But for the most part, if you look at some of their best-selling games this generation, um, from a first-party perspective, they still care about that. I mean, to the to the... To the detriment of like, it's almost become a meme where everybody's like, oh, third, every first party PlayStation game is like a, a gritty third person open world game. And I'm like, yeah, good, great. I, it's a, I, sure, I love those things. So keep making them. You know, I want to be a samurai. I want to fight the monsters in Yarnum. I want to do all that fun stuff. You know, <laughs> like, so as long as they keep making games like that, and it seems like that's a big focus for PS5, despite the fact that when you look at these, you know, profit charts, um, everything would tell them to do otherwise. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm okay. I'm satisfied. So just keep keep people like me happy with you know strong single player games, and then keep the Fortnite kids happy too, and then we're all good. Yeah, yeah they could have easily turned out a uh, God of War DLC, uh, and it sold amazingly. But they mm -hmm. resisted doing that in the end, uh, and now the studio can work on whatever next game is coming. I'm sure there's no God of War in the works whatsoever. Um, someone's going to tweet that I said that at Corey and try to get him to confirm something. Uh, I, I, love, <laughs> I love when people take the smallest things he says and they're like, he must be hinting at God of War. It's got to be. 
<laughs> they'll announce it when it's ready. Uh, before we wrap up, I do want to ask you all what you've been playing since it's it's been a while since we've all talked. Um, Max, I want to start with you. Yeah, I put I put a bunch of put a few hours into Fall Guys um, since it dropped this first thing this morning, which is that's a really funny little game, and I really appreciate it. I don't know if I'll stick with it, but like as somebody who generally doesn't love battle royales just because like i like the idea of them more than i like the actual execution but they have the same um sort of like gym class dodgeball feeling of that that really competitive multiplayer always has for me where i'm like i'm just like i want to have a good time and i show up and like get my ass handed (laughs) to me and in the case of fall guys it is like complete like slapstick like chaotic nonsense where sometimes i'll do really well and i'm like yeah i did pretty well there and other times i'm like this what what was that but it's (laughs) It, it feels like um, it it feels like if if Mario Party was made by by people who wanted other people to have fun instead of made by the devil himself who wanted people to watch <laughs> ice rolling and have a bad time. <laughs> I'm so keen to jump into that. Like I'm gonna it's download that and play and give it a spin tonight. I cannot wait. Yeah. I'm. I, I know they've been having some server issues today. I think obviously um, launching on PlayStation Plus is the blessing and curse of that. So I would suggest, like, if you're running into server issues today, that stuff will get resolved uh, in the meantime. But yeah, I, I play. Don't before. review bomb just because you're having yeah. server issues. Yeah, because you then idiot. you don't have fun later, and you were an asshole for a day. So don't do that. Um, but yeah, I, I had a blast playing this morning too. It's it is a lot of fun. It's a it, there's a wackiness to it that I don't really get in other Battle Royale games because, like you were saying, Max, it's often uh, I end up getting shot in the first 10 minutes and then I'm dead and nowhere near number one. So uh, It's also, it, like, I love that it it's sort of this variety to it where, like, with most Battle Royale games, you're dropping on the same map and the whole kind of the skill of it comes from, like, learning learning that map really well and then, you know, occasionally they shake things up and they're like, oh, a rift opened, Thanos is here or whatever. But, like, in this case... You know, you get all like you get all queued up, and they're like, "There's this this kind of shuffle of like, which map are you on? Which like nonsense obstacle course are you getting thrown into?" And I've been like, I don't know how many I played like a, a handful of matches, but I didn't I I didn't get the sense that it was repetitive. Like it was still throwing weird new things at me. So if they like if they continue with that and keep like throwing like weird new maps in there, where they're like, "Great news, we've added fire," or like this is an entire <laughs> trampoline area, or I don't even know like what you would do with that, but. You know, they, they are going to be adding new levels, uh, new features. Like they have promised that stuff in the future. So yeah, I'm. I'm. It's definitely a game that. Yeah, I don't know if I'll be playing for like hours on ever on end every night, but it is definitely one I want to check in on as it keeps going. In. And like, it's such a great like hop in for 15 minutes, play a match or two, and then hop out. Yep. Uh, and then you also had mentioned earlier, but you're uh, you're making your way through Yakuza Three at the moment. Yep, still at it. Only, let's see, how many more Yakuza's? Then I just got to do four and five and then seven. So only, almost almost played all those Yakuza games. But so almost, you played zero, one, two, and six? Yeah. And Judgment, yeah. of course. And, and judgment. judgment, yeah. Yeah, yeah three, is, three is, I guess, if you were to look at it sort of technically like what you can play on a PS4, three is the chronologically earliest and most kind of rudimentary. And it definitely, like, it... You know, they've been, they remastered it, but it totally feels like a little bit clunky by sort of modern standards. Um, but it's also like the first game where I think it went from being like, this is about tough guy bad to being like, this is weirdly wholesome. And like you, you, run an, you run an orphanage and you have to like help your orphans like play baseball and fall in love and like, you know, play hide and seek and stuff. And it just gets like really like kind of adorable and <laughs> goofy. So that's that's that. That's that that's rolls. your Yakuza I, update for me. I love hearing you explain those games, and I will get to them one day. I still promise that. I have Kiwami 
one and two, I think, downloaded on my PS4 at the moment. So I will I will get to them soon. I started uh, zero. Oh, yeah. I'm like three or four hours in. I'm, it's, it's super fun. It's like it, it's exactly how it's been described to me for years that I somehow ignored, which is like ne- next gen open world River City Ransom. <laughs> yep. You know, which is it's yeah, it's super fun. Really, it really goofy. Also weirdly endearing at times, which I wasn't expecting. Um, but we did we did like an all Yakuza episode of Up at Noon, and I was like, this I I should I should get I should get acclimated with this with this series and, and start figuring it out. Um yeah, actually I started that and um I'm going to attempt a full playthrough of all the Halo games too. And I will say that I want to join you. Please do. <laughs> uh, and I, I will say that I'm enjoying uh, Yakuza more so far. No offense. <laughs> where where are you? I tried to get into Halo. Halo. I tried to get into Halo for so many years and I keep trying. I'm like, yes, this time it will click. This time it will it's, click. You know what it is for me? I get up. To, I'm going to get so much shit for this. I get up to the part where they all the men get into the funny little car and they keep falling out. And then they they just stand there and they're going through the tunnels and you have to do. And I, I, I just I hate that car. I hate driving that car. I think the controls are horrible. Some people love them. Don't just, it doesn't matter. I'm buying an Xbox Series X on day one. I don't even know why I'm going to do it. Just please go easy on me. I love video games. They're all great. They're all really good. Master Chief, it's got, there's those books about him, a cartoon and such. I read many of them. If they got 58 minutes into a PlayStation podcast and they're ride or die Halo fans, they probably already downvoted. They don't, it doesn't, (laughs) they will clip out that one part and then it'll go, it'll go on Twitter. And then, you know, uh, the next week, uh, Sony people will clip out the one part where I said something bad about PlayStation and that'll go on the, it, it's you can't we need win to start so just doing, we need to start doing deep fakes where we just announce announce ooh. place the secrets or whatever just like playstation coming coming soon here it is or you know just spider-man i don't know i could uh, do that or we'll, yeah. we'll just wear we'll, we're, we'll wear masks or something to make us look like other youtubers if <laughs> you throw if them you, off this trail <laughs> if you listen to this episode backwards uh brian actually leaked six playstation 5 games so yeah uh, yeah, that's true. And if you listen to this episode backwards, it uh, makes more sense than the Warthog controllers in oh, Halo. Oh, oh. I, uh, I dreamed the PS5 release date. It's October Ooh. 10th. If that's right, just I'm oh, just leave that, that would be amazing. You yeah, dreamed that's that? great. Yeah, I never dream about video games. That's weird. Can you can you tell me how that like how how did that dream go? Was it you oh, just dreamed a number, or was there, there like, was they... like a there was like a guy revealing a poster? Which was really like I, I would say anticlimactic, but also kind of on par with how anticlimactic things have been this year. But it was like somebody looking at a poster, and instead of like pulling off like one little card that was covering a date, there was just like a very slow, like a slow like depixelation of the date, and then it just said like ten ten, and I was like, ah, okay, October ten, <laughs> October tenth. No matter what calendar system you're using, true. Oh, yeah. that's I wish, right. I wish I had dreams like that. Instead, it's that's always super like. Cool. I'm pissing myself in a high school theater production. Yeah, That's a weird one. or my legs are water. Well, after I saw, I was in my high school auditorium, and then when I saw the PlayStation Five revealed it, I just pissed everywhere because I was so excited. <laughs> you know, gotta have piss in a dream. Of That's course. actually better than what you used to do there, which was fart in front of the whole school. <laughs> <laughs> my recital. <laughs> oh my god. Um... Lucy, have you been playing anything uh, of note? Or? No, not of note. I'm still cracking on with Ghost of Tsushima. It, it is like, I'm really enjoying it, but I got to say, like, it, it is, I can see how beautiful it should be. 
and just playing on a on an older TV is is not is really. I don't know really who gave you that TV, you. but you should stop being friends with that person. Seriously. <laughs> hey, it's a, it's a curse. good good solid TV. It served me well. I just think that as we're getting to these like really high end like gorgeous. Uh, well, it wasn't. It wasn't meant to play Ghost of Tsushima. It's meant. It's meant to play Skyrim and exactly. Mass Effect Two. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I'm gonna, you know, once I get this new TV, whenever that may be, I'm gonna go back and and play Ghost of Tsushima all over again because I need to play it as it's meant to be played, not in a time warp. Yeah, you're doing like the uh, like the Dunkirk on the air, airplane chair. Totally <laughs> doing Dunkirk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It's like instead of like the very highly polished Kurosawa mode they made, they just handed you a, a crappy CRT. <laughs> yeah. like, Here, that's, that's how you're supposed to play the game. I've been playing it for um, a view master. Yeah, perfect. Uh, yeah, and I've been playing, I played a bit of the Avengers beta, which is open to PS4 players this week. Uh, for like super in-depth details, there's like nothing more, but I can't really get too deep into it without talking for 20 minutes, but go check out. Uh, we will have a preview on IGN about that. Uh, as long as some other stuff uh, as we go into the rolling beta for the next few weekends. Uh, long story short, I liked the story missions a lot, and I actually really can't wait for the campaign. The multiplayer had some great missions buried deep in a lot of other missions that I would only play once and then never play again. Um, there's, I think, room for a lot of improvement on the multiplayer side, but there, there are like these quick moments and... Uh, mission structures that are great and i wish those end up being the foundation for what they build on this universe as it goes forward um but yeah other than that i also played pistol whip a little bit on psvr uh and i haven't played it before this is the first time but i i totally get the um beat saber comparisons a little bit for sure because it is so rhythmic rhythmically based but it's a lot of fun i really liked it like the the satisfaction of having an enemy come up to you and you just like punching them in the face with the gun is really fun like they they really did now like the oomph of that especially as the backing soundtrack has so much bass to it uh it's it is a lot of fun and i'm really excited to see they're they're going to add in i think like proper john wick dlc because that game is basically just john wick the video game um, I'm, I'm excited to see where they keep building on that game, but I, I had a lot of fun with it, and it's it's fun to have new PSVR games, even though I'm using 10-year-old controllers. <laughs> um, but I think that's pretty much going to wrap us up for this episode. Uh, don't forget, we'll be back later this week after the State of Play to talk about hopefully some exciting stuff, even if it's not the PS5 release date. And if that PS5 release date is October 10th, uh, we all owe Max something. I like can't buy you a drink. Kidneys right or something, now, like yeah. some... Like like gift to the gods. I think it's going to be November 7th. But... <laughs> well, thank you for your guesses, Max. I sorry. It's 7-Eleven in the UK, right? Ooh. Yeah, there you go. Uh, on the, or, the yeah. mythic day of 7-Eleven, as it's known. Uh, anyway, I think, <laughs> I think we've gone off the rails enough. Uh, thank you all so much for joining me for this episode. Thank you, Brian, Max, and Lucy. Of course, you can find us all on IGN.com. This show weekly on IGN as well as youtube.com slash IGN Beyond and your favorite podcast services around the world. You can find us all on Twitter. I'm at JM Dornbush. Lucy is at Luce O'Brien. Max is at Max Scoville. And Brian is at Agent Bizzle. Uh, thank you to Tayo for producing this week's episode. And thank you to all of you out there listening and or watching. Uh, we hope you're safe. We hope you're well. And as always, beyond. Beyond. Beyond.